as I got up uh, to take a seat on my couch at uh, 2.30 or 3 o'clock this morning, I had a great thought. As the subwoofers blared and the karaoke singer sung really bad, very badly off tune at 2.30 and 3 o'clock this morning, the drunks began to holler and excited drinkers screamed out, just exciting times. The thought I had, though, was, you know, I would have responded much differently about 15 years ago to that. So thank God he's helped me. He's good. I'm happy with that. So let's, uh, let's just thank God for his presence and uh, ask him to have his way. Jesus, we magnify you. We praise you. God, there is no one like you, God. You are holy. You are righteous, God. We worship you. We pray, God, that you would just have your way in this place. I pray, God, that you would speak to each one of us individually, Lord God. I pray for transformation of thinking, Lord God, transformation of heart, transformation of mind in this place in the name of Jesus. God, we adore you. We worship you, God. You are holy, Jesus. There is no one like you, God. We magnify magnify you. We praise you. Hallelujah. 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 We worship your name, God. We worship your name, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus. Jesus is so good to us. Uh, familiar passage I'm going to read in Psalms 91. says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the noise and pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be my shield and my buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night nor for the arrow that fileth by day. Or flieth, nor the for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Thou made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high thy habitation. There shall no evil befall me, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear up Bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon, shalt thou trample under feet. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation." Why don't we just lift our hands and thank him. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. Thank you, God, for your presence. Thank you, God, for your refuge, your safety, God. Thank you for your love and your covering. Thank you for your word that guides us and teaches us. Thank you, God, for your presence that is always near and available, God, to your people. Jesus, you are so holy. You are so worthy. And we're thankful, God. We are thankful, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name, they can be seated. We have an enemy of our souls. We have an enemy that will take every opportunity given to try and lead us into being unhealthy, being disconnected from the presence of God. 
We have an enemy that is dysfunctional, that is unhealthy, and yes, I'm absolutely going to 100% attack the enemy and clearly state that the enemy does not have power over God's people. It is a good thing to discredit the enemy to know where they speak from and know what they do and know what simply they cannot do. We have an enemy that tries to exploit vulnerabilities of the flesh and at best they can throw some unhealthy rocks at the wall and hopefully they stick. The best they can do is try to provoke us into being unhealthy. Unhealthy habits, unhealthy choices, unhealthy thoughts, unhealthy emotions. If a man or a woman of God is, un, is healthy, the enemy knows that it does not stand a chance. The enemy knows that it does not have the ability to come at us whole and complete. The enemy attacks us in pieces and, and parts and areas of our life that may be a little sensitive or may need a little change or adjustment. God, he has the power and ability to wholly and completely heal us, completely transform and renew us. The enemy just has a little bit of an ability to whisper, threaten, lie with empty threats and empty promises of destruction. The enemy threatens and it really cannot follow through with them unless we give the enemy power. The enemy cannot physically come at you and make you do anything. The enemy can just whisper, it can just tempt you, it can just share a thought with you maybe, but it can't do anything to you. It does not have the power to make you do anything. The enemy at best is a dysfunctional enemy. The enemy does not have order, it does not have structure. The enemy does not have real authority, it does not have peace, joy, love, hope, or any sense of awareness of what is really happening. The enemy is dysfunctional. Peter, he's an apostle of Jesus, a man who, who walked with Jesus, a man who was discipled by Jesus. This man, Peter, was full of faith and confidence and seemed in God. Peter, he would often declare that he would never leave the Lord. Lord, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never deny you. I will go unto you. I will follow you unto the death. In Luke 22, the Lord is preparing his disciples for those days prior to Jesus' death. These disciples at the time, I don't think they truly knew what was in store, what was going to be coming. Yeah, they had some hints and Jesus told them, but the, the full awareness of, or, or understanding of, of the significance of what was happening, they didn't quite fully grasp it at that point. They may have had an itching thought or two. They, they might have had a nightmare or two of the possibilities of what would come. And this is where the Lord would come and speak and tell them that there was one who sat at that table who was going to betray him. Peter would repeatedly be bold in the idea that it would never be me. It would never be me. And the Lord said in Luke 22, 31 through 34, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. He said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day. Before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. God warned Peter that Satan desires to have him. He's letting Peter know that there is something about Peter's future, something about Peter's ministry, something that God is wanting to do in and through Peter. 
And that terrifies hell. It terrifies Satan. Something upon the life of Peter, some kind of light, some kind of anointing that Satan could not, st- he could not stand. So Peter, Satan is going to come after you. He's going to come after you and, and I'm going to let him come after you. Jesus is telling him, I'm not going to stop that, Peter, but I, I, I pray that you will have strength to go through this. I pray that you will have faith to go through this. Peter, I pray that you will endure this. But Peter, be on guard because there are pieces of your flesh that you have yet to crucify. There are pieces in you that if you do not take a charge against it, if you do not change or make an adjustment to it, are too great for you to stay the same. There is still a conversion process, Peter, that you must go through. Can I tell you that the devil is not overly concerned whether you get healed from a situation or whether you get healed from wounds or pains of your past. He's not overly concerned if you just simply get healing and you feel better about it and you don't feel the pain of the wounds anymore. The devil is more concerned about what you do after the healing. He's more concerned about what you build on top of what was broken and what God healed. He's more concerned about what you might build on top of that, the foundation that you build on top of that after the deliverance. He's not that concerned if you get deliverance of addiction. He's not that concerned if you get deliverance from pornography or drugs or any sort of dilemma that you might have to be delivered from. He's not concerned that if you're delivered from depression, he's not concerned if you get delivered from suicidal thoughts. He's concerned about what you might build on top of that healing. Throughout our life, we we experience pain. We experience things that hurt us. People betray us. People lie to us. People take advantage of us. And we will go through them, things that bring deep hurt. Things that when we're in the moment, we wonder if we can ever get past that moment. Things that reoccur and we hear in our heart periodically, months after, years after. Hurt that can lead and last for years. Hurt that leads to unhealthy habits, unhealthy emotions, unhealthy thoughts, unhealthy actions. Hurt that makes it hard for us to trust again. God's goal is to shape and and mold us. Satan's is to deceive and destroy us. God's plan is to build us and create a life of holiness, goodness, mercy, and peace. Satan is to manipulate you and torment you and lead you into bitterness. Even though you might feel it's justified, bitterness is never justified. In our pursuit of God, in our pursuit of righteousness and holiness, we're going to be faced with our own personal Saul. Each one of us. David, he was a man after God's own heart. He worshipped and he praised God. He, He loved the Lord and he wanted to serve God. David, he slew that giant named Goliath in the name of the Lord. And when King Saul came and all of his armies, they didn't do a thing. They were terrified. They couldn't even remotely think about battling that giant. They were too afraid. And David was anointed to be king and to replace that king Saul when the time came. Saul hated David. Saul tried to kill him again and again. Saul hated everything about David. And we will be faced with our own personal Saul. We will be faced with situations and and trials that do not seem fair whatsoever. That seem impossible to overcome. But God prayed that our faith would fail not. 
We will be faced with a choice to live in in bitterness or to forgive. We will be faced with choices to to live in fear or anxiety or worry or to live full of faith and full of righteousness and full of hope and peace. We're going to be faced with choices of whether or not to to isolate ourselves and and deal with the struggles and pain that we deal with alone and in secret or to once again trust someone, open up once again, open our heart again, and knowing that there is a possibility that someone would mishandle our heart again, being vulnerable, being letting people in again. The enemy would love for your soul to simply destroy you, obliterate you, and kill you. Aren't you thankful for a God that protects us? Aren't you thankful for the things that he keeps us from? Aren't you thankful for when he turns our mind to see it the right way? God keeps us. He he never leaves us. And again, this this enemy is just fine with us staying alive too. He's not too concerned about that. As, As long as your battle with Saul changes your outlook on life forever. As long as you keep that skewed view forever, he's okay with you getting through that trial. As long as you struggle in those couple, couple of areas forever, he's cool with it. He's okay if you heal from your wounds as long as he can trip you up from time to time in the process of your healing, in the process of your, your building. As long as he can get you to have a little mistrust of spiritual leadership for the rest of your life, he can work with that. Your Saul could be your parent that wasn't there for you, and it keeps you from intimacy for the rest of your life. Your Saul could be going through poverty and never having faith in giving, never having faith in financial blessings from the Lord, never having faith that your money will actually move the kingdom forward. Your goal of the, en- the goal of the enemy for Saul in your life is to cause you to never look at life the same. You may have survived the battle with Saul, but you can still be carrying the heaviness of the Saul battle on you. God may have healed the cavity, the hole, the wound, the puncture that it caused in your heart, but you have to build on the place that he restored. Of course, we have to remove those unhealthy habits. Of of course, we have to remove those unhealthy behaviors and the thoughts and, and the responses but we've also got to form healthy habits, faithful habits, build habits that require faith to form. Not all habits are easy to form. Not all habits are just something we can just choose to do without a little fear and trepidation. That's why we need the Holy Ghost. That's why we need the church. And can I tell you that souls have taken out many more Christians than the Goliaths. Souls have been more effective in in bringing someone to a place of offense and bitterness, walking right out of the door of church and never coming back. Souls is is more difficult to to deal with because it's the internal places that people do not always see. Souls are more effective because we can talk our way out of a situation. We can talk our way into looking good and, and looking healthy and looking right, but inside we're destroyed and torn and broken. Saul's are more effective in the church than Goliath's. In 2 Timothy 2.15, the Bible tells us to study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I would encourage you to, to think of it in, in another way. In addition to this, is study to show yourself changed. Study to change. When I study the Word of God, when I study 
who God is, his nature. I find a holy God. I find a holy word. I find a God who loves those who deserve no love. I find a God that gives mercy and gives grace when it is clearly not deserved. I find a God who is holy and matchless. He is perfect and kind, glorious, no one comparing to that God. I find a God that freely gives salvation, freely gives forgiveness, freely washes me of any wrongdoing, any sin. I find a God who he knows all of my faults, who knows all of my failures from past, present, and future. Yet he tells me, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, you shall go and pray unto me. I will hearken unto you, you shall seek me and find me, when you shall search with, for me with all of your heart. He tells me when I read his word that even when I was in sin, he loved me. He tells me me that before I loved him, he loved me first. He loved me before I cared about him. He, He loved me before I knew about him. He chose me before I chose him. He called me for a purpose before I decided to even think about walking in that purpose. He died for me before I repented. He shed his blood before I even wanted him to do it. In Ephesians 2.1 it says, You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses, dead in sins. When I study his word, I, I find no lies. I find truth. I find beauty. I find wisdom, direction. I find hope. I find answers to questions that I never knew I had. I find hope that I didn't know that I needed. I find out what it means to be a man. I find out what it means to be a father, what it means to have a family, what it means to be kept, what it means to have peace, what it means to be honorable, proper, and true. I find identity and value in his word. We find a loving father when we were without a loving father. We find hope when we were without hope. We find hope and peace and love when we were without those things. We find a family when we were without a family. Before we came to God, we were strangers without a home. We were orphans. We had no hope. We had no peace. We had no direction. But the Bible tells me in Ephesians 2 12 through 14, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus you were sometimes far off, made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, and who hath made both one, and broken down the middle wall of partition between us. That's the kind of God that I desire to worship and and follow after. That's the kind of God that I desire to please and follow after. As we read more, we study more about this great God, we find in Genesis God created. In Genesis, God declared about himself, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and I am thy exceeding great reward. In Genesis 16, Hagar declares, You are a God who sees me. You are a God who sees me. Genesis 17, God tells Abraham, Abram at the time, I am God Almighty, El Shaddai. I am the all-sufficient one. I can supply every need. I can supply everything that you would ever think you would ever need. In Exodus, God freed and he delivered. In Exodus, God declared about himself to Moses, I am that I am. In Leviticus, God declares about himself, For I am the Lord your God. Sanctify yourselves. Be holy, for I am holy. 
and numbers, remember my commandments. I am the Lord, your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord, your God. And Deuteronomy, the Lord, your God, which goeth before you, he shall fight for you. Fear not, neither be discouraged. And Joshua, every place that the sole of your feet shall tread upon, it shall be given unto you. Fear not, neither be discouraged. And judges, the Lord was called upon and answered, and many Philistines were slain. The enemy did not find victory. And Ruth, he was called the Almighty. And first Samuel, the God who hears, the Lord of hosts and the God of the armies of Israel. In Psalm 42, El Shai, which is God of my life. And Jonah 4, gracious God. And Isaiah 9 and Jeremiah 32, he's the mighty God who rescues. The everlasting and eternal God. The God who works wonders. That's the God that I desire to please. That's the God I desire to follow after. Our God is a jealous God in Exodus 20. Our God is a God of exceeding joy in Psalms 43. Our God is faithful in Deuteronomy 7. Our God is the Lord of breakthrough in 2 Samuel 5. He's my confidence, my shepherd. He is such a good father. He is the perfect father who takes care of his children. He is the first. He is the last. He is Alpha and Omega. He is my salvation. And I thank God for delivering us. I thank God for the testimonies that we have when we come to Jesus. I thank God for the places that he has brought us out from in this place today we have people that God has delivered from addictions to drugs pornography alcohol wrath gambling we have people that were delivered from suicidal thinking depression fear anxiety bitterness the testimonies though don't stop at coming to Jesus they continue as we pursue him God is not filled with anxiety and worry, so why should we be? God is not filled with wrath and hostility, so why should we be? Good depression is not part of his kingdom, so that should not be a part of our culture. Fear is not part of his kingdom, so that should not be a part of our culture. Insecurity is not part of his kingdom. Bitterness is not part of his kingdom. Doubt is not part of his kingdom, so it should not be part of our culture. It should not be part of our thinking, our home, our hearts. Intimacy is a part of his kingdom, so we ought to have intimacy. Kindness, patience, love, trust, hope, forgiveness, those are all parts and pieces of his kingdom. So they ought to be parts and pieces of our thinking, our culture, our heart, our mindset, our relationships, our approach, and everything that we do. Whatever walls that we have built up over the years, they have to come down. They have to be broken so that we can be in a kingdom culture that pursues him for who he is. And we can exhibit those characteristics that he wants us to exhibit. Abraham, he was a man who was leading. He was a man who was faithful. He was favored of God. But yet there were pieces in him that needed to be changed and needed to be molded and worked on further. This man was faithful. This man did right overall, but this man also lied about who his wife was. You find different people in the Bible. You find someone like Elijah, a prophet of God who was used mightily. Yet there were pieces in him that needed to be changed. Elijah struggled with fear. Elijah ran away from a battle that the Lord would fight on his behalf. Jonah was called to be a prophet to Nineveh. But out of fear of the people, he ran from the call of God. Noah was a man who was faithful, was patient, was obedient. 
He was following after God. He was a vessel that people saw God through. So Noah was a good example of following God and listening to his word. Yet there was pieces in Noah that needed to be changed. Noah became drunk. He also had something in him that, that needed to be changed. Strongholds in our life that we need broken. Strongholds in our ministries that we need broken. Strongholds in our mind that we need broken. They become broken when we find something to change. They become broken when we find something in ourselves that we can give to God that he doesn't currently have full control over. And when there's some high places in our life, when there are principalities that we battle, when there are dark places and rulers of darkness, and when there are things that we are battling against of and they have to be taken care of, find something to change. Change habits that aren't productive. Change responses that are not beneficial. Change attitudes that are not beneficial. Make changes to your schedule if you have to. Change your approach if you have to. As we see in the life of Peter, in the life of David, it's not just the flesh that fights against holy and healthy habits and responses. The enemy fights it too. The enemy fights your faith to prevent those habits from being formed. So many times we're wondering and we're trying to wade through our mind and wade through the flesh that we have. We're trying to figure out why is this so difficult. The, the enemy is also pushing back against what you could become. The enemy is pushing back against the anointing that God has called you out for and placed upon you. The enemy is pushing back against you. And so many times we can think of it as a flesh thing. And we have to know in Scripture that it's a spiritual battle we fight, not a flesh battle. So we have to fight in the Spirit. We have to navigate in the Spirit. We have to walk in the Spirit because when we walk in the flesh, we don't win. We don't succeed. We cannot overcome. We cannot have victory if we do not work in the Spirit. The enemy knows that every single time... You form a healthy habit in your life, he loses. Every time you form a healthy outlook on life, a, a healthy perspective, a healthy thought process, a healthy relationship that's holy and pleasing to God, every time that is formed in you, he loses ground, he loses territory, he loses influence, he loses bravado, he loses tools every time we decide to turn something else over to God. When we turn something else over to God and when we allow it to be in his hands, the enemy can't grab it at that point. The enemy can't get in there and push it around and poke and provide it if it's in God's hands. The enemy can't snatch it when it's in God's hands. The enemy can't snatch our heart when it's in God's hands. The enemy can't attach that bitterness that we used to have when it's in God's hands. So we have to give it to God every time. I would challenge you today to study to change. Study to change. Pray to change. That we would be more like God. In Deuteronomy 31 and 8, the Bible tells us that the Lord, He it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He, God already waiting at that stronghold that you need broken in your life. He's already ahead of you, waiting at that place, waiting on that wall that you need broken down, that you just need a little faith to push through. He's already ahead of you, waiting at that place. He's already there interceding on your behalf. He's already there waiting to do it. He's already there waiting to pour that anointing upon your head that you're seeking and that we all need desperately. 
He's already waiting there. So what can we change? What can we offer to a God that needs nothing? What can we offer to a God that is holy, perfect, righteous, and has need of nothing? What can we give God? What can we give this great God that has healed and delivered, washed of sins, and and put us in a place where we can be safe, and we can be holy, we can be righteous, and we can have refuge? We can give him our heart. We can give him our mind. We can give him our lives. Because every time that we decide, God, I'm going to praise you, I'm going to live for you, we just draw a little bit closer to God. I want to be a little bit closer to God. I want to give a little bit more to God, a little bit more of my mind, a little bit more of my heart, a little bit more of me to God. Because there's always something more that I need from him. We are in desperate need of God. We are in desperate need of a Savior each day. We are in desperate need of a right mind that we wake up with. We are in a desperate need of having the right emotional response to things that we would not have the right response without the Lord. We are in desperate need to go into our knees in prayer to receive direction from the Lord. Without the direction in prayer that from the Lord, we would be completely lost and completely broken. We would be filled with wrath and anger. We would be filled with addictions and lusts and all the things that we would find in this world when we do not seek God in prayer. When we do not call out to Him and ask Him to change us, ask Him to transform us, ask Him to work on my thoughts, we are not changed for the good. And we fall back into those places that we struggle with. We ought to study to change. We ought to study to be more like God. It's not just about having the biblical knowledge of the pieces. It's not just about knowing the verses or knowing the context or, or knowing the deep meanings behind all of the different interpretations. It's about being like Jesus. It's about being close to him so we could hear his voice as, as he directs us. And God forbid we get to a place where we can't hear him speaking to us. God forbid we get to a place when, we, when he can't tell us, hey, I need you to adjust this a little bit and we don't hear it. God forbid we get to a place where, where we get to a place where we're secure and we feel good about going to church, but God can't just adjust something small. God just can't adjust something small. I, I want to be ready and available for God to speak to me. I want to be ready and available to give God whatever he asks of me. And I want to be proactive and seeking and finding things that he already wants me to give to him. If we could stand. I want to be close to that God. I want to be close to a God that has done all these things and still continues to do it to this day. He still continues to do it to this day. Every unhealthy habit, every piece of anxiety, every worry that we've ever had, every difficult relationship, trial, or circumstance we've ever had, the Word of God gives clear direction, clear instruction, clear protection from all of it. He gives us an escape plan to have refuge. He gives us a place where we can, we can go there and be safe there. So when we're wondering, oh God, how do I get out of this? Oh God, how, how do I get through this? Oh God, how do I deal with this? Oh God, how am I supposed to approach this? We just, we just need to go back to his word. We just need to go back and, and hear his voice in prayer. Because we need him desperately. We need him desperately every moment of every day. Without him, we would all be train wrecks. Sometimes we still are, but we would all be absolute train wrecks without hearing the voice of God each and every day.
every day. So why don't we just, we just pray and ask God that we would continue just to change, to be like him, to have him form, form and create healthy things in us.